We are continuing our series on the book of Daniel. We're in Daniel chapter 9 today. So if you've got a Bible, welcome to turn to that. If you uh, don't, there'll be some words appearing on the screen in a short while. Uh, it's been a while um, since we were in Daniel before. Um, it's about a month, I think, so we've been doing some other things, Church Central 1 and some others. Um, but I'll give a bit of context in a minute, but I'm gonna, we're going to ask one question today. So get back your heads in gear. What was the series about? What do you know about Daniel and stuff like that? Um, the question I want to ask today is, uh, what was the secret of Daniel's success? What was the secret of Daniel's success? That's the question I'd, I'd like to ask. And so while your mind's been going, Daniel, who's Daniel? I haven't heard about him for a while. Uh, Daniel was one of the nobles of Israel, young guy, who with a number of other people in his position was kidnapped uh, and taken into exile by the king of Babylon uh, in basically an attempt to brainwash them Uh, out of their Jewishness and service of Yahweh, the God of Israel, and to brainwash them into becoming Babylonian. Essentially, that was the whole operation. And Daniel, if you you know the story, if you've been around for the series, he surprisingly kind of threw himself into this kind of cultural uh, indoctrination program. He he threw himself into the the literature and the culture of the Babylonians uh, and all of that stuff. And as time went on, he 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 took this position in the civil service of Babylon. And as time went on, he got promoted into quite a significant place in the Babylonian government. Um, but it, while all that was happening, another thing was happening that might sound surprising. He was he didn't do this by compromise. Whoa. The heavens have opened. That's a good backdrop for talk. Okay. Um, while that was happening, he didn't compromise on his faith in God. He was absolutely kind of strong and, and stable in his faith uh, in God throughout and served God faithfully while also living at the heart of Babylon. And we looked in this series at this strange mixture that that is. How on earth did he manage that? And if you wonder, well, that doesn't seem like much of a big deal. We've got some other talks in the series. Please look through those. So we're trying to look through how did he do this navigation, this kind of bespoke path he takes through Babylon uh, to follow Jesus, or to follow God, uh, the God of, God of Israel, and also to, uh, to really get stuck in with Babylonian culture. And the question, um, we've, we've alluded to kind of a, an answer that it won't be a surprise today, I don't think, this talk. Um, but all throughout is asking the question, what was the secret of his success? How did he do it? Um, and in Daniel chapter 9, I think it focuses in on the clearest answer we have to that question. I'm, I'm strangely only going to read the first four verses of this, because the rest of the chapter is the main point, but you'll see why in a minute. Let's go. Daniel 9, 1 to 4. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. I'm strangely going to stop there because uh, this chapter is known, if you know Daniel 9, for what happens next. Daniel's prayer after this, I'd really encourage you to read it, uh, to soak it in, to pray it over our city because it's a magnificent prayer. One of the, one of the most, I think, one of the most magnificent prayers in the Bible of like prayer of kind of, um, for his city, for his nation. And it's a, it's a great prayer we can emulate. However, I don't, I'm not going to delve into that. Today. I'm not even going to read the prayer for you. Some of you are now like, I'm going to read it anyway. Ha ha. Well, you can if you like, that's absolutely fine. Um, but I would just want to kind of zoom in here and see, just make some obvious comments, some basic comments about what this shows us about Daniel. Who, who is Daniel? We're asking what the secret of his success is. What kind of things does Daniel do to not just survive, but to thrive as a servant of God uh, in Babylon? 
And I think, well, let's just see what's happened. It's very straightforward. What's Daniel doing? Daniel is, uh, it says he's reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet. And this is a, I love little bits of like this in the Bible, where basically you've got an Old Testament guy like reading another Old Testament book. The Old Testament had not been compiled as we know it by this point, but he's reading what is in the Old Testament. You can read it yourself. It's called the book of Jeremiah. It would have been a scroll, the scroll of the prophet Jeremiah at that time. He's reading that, okay? And as he's reading it, he feels stirred by some of the promises in that book. And what does he do? He's stirred as he reads. And so it says, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer. He prays. But also he fasts as well. He goes without food, probably without food and water uh, for Daniel in this way. Just a note, he also wore rough burlap and sprinkled himself with ashes. Now, just so you know, I'm going to focus on the other three things today. <laughs> and I hope that's not too much of a fudge. And the reason would be this, is that there's lots of practices in the Old Testament, particularly that people would do alongside prayer wearing certain kinds of clothes, sackcloth and ashes is often featured. Um, but those things come and go culturally, a lot of these things, uh, and they don't seem to continue so much in the New Testament into church history. The other three things definitely do. In fact, I'd say that reading the Bible, praying and fasting would be three of the absolutely foundational spiritual disciplines that have laid at the, the heart and the center of the Christian church uh, ever since the very beginning of the Christian church, and as we can see before into the days uh, of the Old Testament in Israel as well. So what do we see in this passage about what, who Daniel was? He was a man of prayer, he was a man who read the scriptures, and he was a man who fasts. Now, also worth noticing here that it's not just that Daniel was, this is the first time he'd done this. It wasn't Daniel sitting there a bit bored, uh, and he's like, oh, look, I haven't, oh, look, there's that scroll. Jeremiah, I haven't read that for a while. Let's pull it off and see. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Let's try praying, praying. I remember doing that. Let's do it. That's not the feel we get here. And it's not just not the feel we get. We know that's not the case because of what we've already seen in Daniel. Jonathan spoke on it when we looked at Daniel Daniel 6. Daniel 6, just to see if you guys are awake. What's the Daniel 6 story? Famous historian, Daniel. Daniel and the lion's den, okay? <laughs> that was done in such a patronizing way, which I deserved. Thank you, Tim. Anyway, Daniel and the lion's den. If you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den, basically the king makes this order that the, the people can only pray to him for a month, to the king. And if they don't, they get thrown into the... You didn't do it? Oh, you did the look, though. That was beautiful. Um, and so Daniel hears this order, and this is exactly what happens in Daniel 6. It says, Daniel went home and knelt down, notice this, as usual in his upstairs room with its window open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, notice this bit, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Can you see what he's saying? As usual, just as he had always done. And I think what we get here is we get this zooming in, this honing in on, well, what was he doing those three times a day? When he prayed, what did he do? Well, we see here, he's praying and he's reading the Bible. This is a daily occurrence for him. And on occasion, he also fasts. He also goes without uh, food and drink. And all I want to do today, I would like to get really practical with us today. I simply like to go through those things, prayer, reading the Bible and fasting, and ask, what are they? And how do we do them and build them into our lives in the 21st century in Birmingham? And even just as a heads up, I might get carried away and waffle on and not be able to do this. Some of you wish I'd do that in a minute, probably the first time ever. But if I don't do that, we have time. We're gonna, I'd like you just to talk with some people at some points in the talk around you about your experience of prayer and reading the Bible. We probably won't get onto fasting. Um, but that's a heads up because I know some people get a bit like, whoa, okay? So just giving you some warning just to say you don't have to do that. That won't be a 
three line whip, but just to warn you, okay? Some of you are like, yes, but most of you are like, ah, I have to talk to people, no way, okay? So let's get really practical on this then. How do we do these sort of things? And I'm just gonna go through those things, like I said, and just look at some practical kind of maybe advice, I, I suppose, in those sort of ways. But before I do that, the, the one thing I do wanna say is I wanna, first of all, set the tone of this conversation that we're having here. Um, I think it's really important that the tone is set right, otherwise I know that for some of you, I know that it's happening already probably, will not, you'll, you'll have switched off and you will switch off from this talk straight away. Because this is the pray more sermon, okay? Those of you who weren't at the student weekend away will find it no surprise that we had the sex and relationships talk. That's surprising, isn't it? Because you always do that on a student weekend away. And everyone knows when you get a bit older in church, once a year or so, you have the pray more talk. It's just what we do, isn't it? you've been around the church a while, and so you go, I've heard this before, I know how not to listen to this talk, okay? And there might be more than just familiarity behind that. It might be like, I've tried this. It doesn't work. I, I can't do this. This doesn't get on with me. And so I want to set the tone of the conversation because there are two ways that you can listen to a talk about prayer or reading the Bible that are not going to help you, and there's one way you can that I think will help you. So what are the two ways that won't help you? Well, firstly, I want you to understand in this, as we talk about prayer and reading the Bible particularly, this is not a duty conversation we're having here. This is not a duty conversation we're having here. This is not a duty thing. And by that I mean, like this guy, you come in with a big stick. It's like, this is not the tone, this is not the tone I'm going for anyway. I hope I don't get, do this, of like, pray more, <laughs> come on. Call yourself a Christian and you can't even pray. Whack. Sort yourselves out. That is not the tone I'm, I'm aiming for today. Okay, if I get to that tone, you can call me out. I don't, that's not what I want to do. Um, but I think even whether I, what I say or not, sometimes we hear it like this, don't we? Praying more makes you a better Christian. If you don't pray much, God will be very disappointed with you. And if you pray more, God will love you more. Now, what I've just said, please don't put that. Rich Simons puts those pictures online with a quote. Please don't take that as a quote. I, that is not true. <laughs> but if you're like me, you hear it like that sometimes. But this is not a duty thing. However, on the other side, I'd say this is not a, and I, for the tape, inverted commas, inverted commas, grace thing either. This is not a grace thing either. And what I mean by that is this. I think some will say, yes, of course it's not a duty thing because we know that as God's children, he loves us whatever we do. And I agree with that. Of course, that's true. However, then it goes on for some of us and it says, well, therefore, because of that, we, God would not put pressure on us to do anything that we don't feel like doing, that doesn't come naturally to us. I think it would be a common misperception of grace that there are no shoulds in Christianity. There are no obligations in Christianity. And I've been understanding of grace that says we, we do things as God stirs our heart out of faith and out of joy. And if we don't feel faith and joy for something, well, we shouldn't worry about it too much. We'll wait till God gives us that thing. I want to be clear, this is not a grace conversation either. I'm not saying, whoa, what are you saying? There's no grace. No, I'm saying grace is, yeah, great. But this isn't that conversation. We're not having a conversation about duty. We're not having a conversation about grace. This is obviously not a duty thing. This is obviously not a grace thing. This is obviously a carrots in your lunchbox thing. So let's get onto it then. You get that? It makes sense, doesn't it? Nathan, that makes sense. Carrots in your lunchbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both Nathans are on it. Um, I, I might need to back up slightly. My mind might have gone slightly onwards. Me and my wife have three children. Lovely, lovely little tykes that they are. Um, and we would often encourage our children to eat fruit and vegetables. 
So, okay. Yeah, okay, that's good. Our people are on the on board. And now one of our children, um, I don't want to embarrass her, so let's call her Hop. Um, <laughs> she, she would regularly bring her lunchbox home from school with the carrot sticks that I prepare for her every day still, in the end, uneaten, okay? Um, and you know what? I will bring that to her attention. I have a rule there, no snacks after school until you've eaten your carrots in your lunchbox for Ho. Uh, oh no, what have I done for Hop? Um, why, why would I do that? Am I a food fascist? Is that it? You might be thinking, yes. Um, am I an overbearing parent? Well, maybe, but that's probably not shown from my carrot eating. Um, um, no, no, it's out of, obviously, what, why? Come on, get, get into you guys. Why, why do I want her to eat her carrots? good for her. They're good for her health. I am aware that in the general ether, my children and me should have five uh, fruit and veg a day. I'm actually aware that it's meant to be ten, but the government doesn't have any faith in us at all about our health, so it just tells us five, okay? But at least five. And I do it because if you do not get enough vitamin C in your diet, fruit and veg is a, a good source of that, you will naturally experience some pretty serious health problems, okay? We all know that, don't we? Everyone aware of that? I'm not talking... You're kind of from Mars or something. Um, now, let's imagine this situation. Let's imagine after days of this, my daughter comes to me and says, look, Dad, I want to sit down with you. I want to talk to you. I have tried eating my vegetables, but I just can't get on with them. I just can't do it. And every time I try, I fail. And I just feel really bad about it. And you keep bringing it back up every day after school. It just makes me feel really guilty. And I'd like you, Dad, come on, could you just show me some grace on fruit and vegetable? Um... <laughs> I, there was a fly, I think, on the side. There. Um, I am not, if that conversation happened, I would not back off my expectation regarding her eating her fruit and veg. Now, obviously, she might not get on with carrots and I could try a different way to do it. All of those things are true. I might have to find a more creative way of doing it, but I'm not going to say, well, okay, sorry, I don't want to feel guilty. No fruit and veg for you. I'm just not going to do that. What the Bible would tell us is that God loves his children regardless of what we do. He's a good father. That's definite. But it is also very clear that what we do and do not do have an effect on us. The whole book of Proverbs has given us to show there are natural consequences to actions that we can't just grace out. That's, we can't do that to those things. And if we don't discipline ourselves to set aside regular time to pause and switch off from the world, click, that's one of the things prayer does, and connect and switch on to God we will become spiritually sick. That seems, that seems clear to me. I'm convinced there is a direct link between how we order our private lives of prayer on one side and our spiritual health on the other. And therefore, I'm not going to back away from making a challenge to us today as a church and provoke us and push us a bit. My challenge is this. Guys, let's attend to this. Let's keep this on our radar Let's put this back on our radar if it's fallen off. And yes, we might, and hopefully say, we can think more creatively about how to do it. But please, please, please don't see this conversation as a box-ticking exercise. But to be a good Christian, you pray and read the Bible. Good, I kind of find a way to do that. No, this is about our spiritual health. And in the context of living in a society that is very much like the Babylon that David and his, uh, Daniel and his friends found himself in, you know what, as I said before, and I'll stand by this, if we don't pray, we spiritually die. I'm more and more convinced by that all the time. As a leader here at the church, I, I, I know a lot of you guys uh, well, I know some of you guys hardly at all, but as a leader, I, I'm concerned for us. 
I'm concerned for me. I see how dark it is. I see the, the, the waves that crash at me, and I, I'm feeling increasingly drawn right back to, I've got to really get the inside, the, the heart of things. I've got to get it sorted. I've got to show discipline here, because otherwise I'm going under. And if any of you know what it is to feel like you're going under, I've had a year of feeling like I'm going under. And what have I done? I've come back to the Bible. God, help me. I'm going to put an hour in today, every day, help me. If I'm going to go under, I'm going to go under with a Bible in my hand, my alarm clock set early, not eating going under, because the world's got nothing else for us. So that's the tone of things today. Um, so let's get practical then. Um, on the back of, oh, I was getting a bit, oh, okay, practical sermon, don't get too passionate. Okay, um, how do we pray? Let's start with praying, shall we? Um, I think we've got, a, yes, good, with some colours and everything. I was meant to move this, wasn't I? Because... Uh, my children knocked it earlier. There we are. Brilliant. That, would, that goes nicely. Um, prayer, prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. Communi- when you put it like that, instantly throws up a number of things for us. Communication is not one way, is it? Communication involves speaking. It also involves listening uh, as well. It doesn't just involve lots of requests. There's other things to, that we do in communication. And so instantly the word sums up quite a big idea for us. And when I was growing up, um, I was brought up on a view of prayer that was quite prescriptive, I guess. And I don't know if anyone can uh, identify with this, but it was kind of like, you want to pray? We'll pray like this at this time of the day, in this way, for this amount of time. Anyone recognize that? Was that how anyone else was brought up? Yeah, okay, a number of us. And some of you might be thinking, and you're going to say, Johnny, aren't you? That's incredibly unhelpful because we're all so different in different ways. I know some people think that now. And in a sense, I'm going to say that, but I'm going to start on a different thing. I thank God massively for the way I was brought up as regards to this stuff. I'm really thankful for the church I grew up in and the influence of those around me who actually, by the time they were very prescriptive, but actually really helped me build habits that were helpful. Because you see, while there's an unhelpfulness about being prescriptive in that you could say we're all different, we're not all going to pray in the mornings, we're not all morning people, maybe evening people, etc., all of that stuff. That, that is true. I, I go with that. Um, the problem is, and I've talked about uh, some foods obviously on my mind today. You, you get, I've talked about the carrots in the lunchbox thing. The problem is, if you're, if you're not prescriptive at all, you get a different food problem. You get a sausages in Sainsbury's problem. <laughs> now, the North and West got this, and I, it proved to me that I'm not as crazy as I think I am. Does anyone else have a problem with sausages in Sainsbury's? What's the sausages in the Sainsbury's problem? Or am I just mad? I'm mad, yes. That is it, but I think just because I'm mad doesn't mean I'm wrong. <laughs> um, what's the problem? Does anyone else have a problem with sausages in Sainsbury's? I heard it whispered to the mad, but who, who was it? Too much choice. I'm not mad, whoever you were at the back. Okay, this is what happens in Sainsbury's. You go up, you're like, I, shopping list, sausages. Whoa, there is like a whole stack of sausages. And then another one. And I'm not even talking about that new crazy Sainsbury's around the corner that's like got, it sells cars and planes and everything. I don't, don't know. Um, so this is why I shop at Audi. If I get at Audi, it's skinny sausages, fat sausages. Brilliant, let's go. And they're all the same price. Um, now, what am I talking about prayer? Well, the problem is when we're not prescriptive at all, here, do it like this. You could do it like this, do it like this, do it like this, do it like this. And you're like, whoa, okay. And you can't decide, and a month passes, and you haven't done anything, and then you forget what you were meant to be doing in the first place. 
I think that's a real problem. So what I'd like to try to do is avoid both sides. I don't want to be too prescriptive and say you have to do it like this, but I also don't want to give you a sausages in Sainsbury's problem. So I'd like to give you some sausages in Sainsbury's. I want to give you lots of ideas here, 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 here. And then I want to give you a model that if you're stuck, I'll say, you don't, oh, I don't know which one's me. Just do this. Just do this one thing. Okay? You might not, after a while, you might grow past it, but there's a model. And I'm, I'm really sorry, but the main model I'm going to give you is just my model. It's just what I do. And I'm not saying that because I think if everyone did it like me, everything would be fine. I'm just saying that's all I know, and it's better than leaving you with nothing. Okay? Is that okay? Okay. Good. So prayer. What is prayer? Let's go to the next one. If you want to take a picture of this, please feel free, because there's no, I'm just trying to cram stuff on, um, and it might be helpful. And when I think of prayer, I think of the acronym ACTS. I think it's really helpful. Nothing to do with the book in the Bible, but it's a helpful acronym. When you're there in the room, and uh, you might have woken up early on the back of a toilet of this, put your alarm on, you go, right, I'm ready to pray. Empty room, silent, you're tired. What on earth do you do? This is helpful, okay? Adoration. Tell God how good he is. Praise God. Uh, we go to the yellow bit. Worship and spiritual gifts. Many people, myself included, would find it really helpful to, to sing songs uh, when, we, when we pray in our adoration of God. Um, maybe to listen to songs uh, on your headphones or whatever on your stereo. Um, but it's adoration. That's one of the parts of prayer. Um, confession. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, didn't he? Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. important to come back to the God. We know if, we're faithful, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it says in 1 John, regularly we come to confess. Okay? Uh, tea, thanksgiving. If ever I'm stuck for prayer, if ever I'm like really sleepy, which is most of the time, not just in the morning, um, and I can't think of what to pray for, uh, I just start by saying, right, thank him. And we've all, however bad things are going, we've got stuff to thank God for. And usually I find that that really gets the brain going and the spirit going. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm just alive today. I've got another day. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Brilliant part of prayer. And the only kind of really funny word here, supplication. We don't often use that word. It simply means asking for things. Um, I, I probably in the past wouldn't have often said this is a good thing, but I'm more, I'm more and more into lists of prayer. I think that's prayer isn't just a list. It's not just giving your shopping list to God. I've heard that and said that a number of times. But you know what? That can be really helpful. And the reason I find that helpful is when someone WhatsApps me and says, you know what? I go, how are you? And you expect, oh, I'm fine. How are you? And they say, things aren't great. Things aren't going well. And you reply, I don't know if you do this, I'm praying for you. You don't know what to put. So you're like, I'm praying for you. I don't want that to be like a thoughts and prayers. My thoughts and prayers go out to you. That's just my way of saying, oh, I'm kind of sorry about that. I'm a bit embarrassed. Okay? If I put, I'm praying for you, I want to pray for you. And therefore, I need a list because otherwise I'm going to forget. And so I, I would have a mental list. I don't often write these down, actually. But well, who are the things I've said, I'm praying for you this week. And when I come to God, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> and so list, please don't write them, write them off. Write them down, not write them off. There's the name of the paperback on that one. Um, but lists can be helpful too. Pray with your Bible open. We'll come to the Bible uh, in a second, um, I think. So, so that's it. So there's your sausages and sandwiches. There's a few different bits and bobs there. Um, drill it down. W what does that look like for me at the moment? For me at the moment, and it is at the moment because it changes, I would set my alarm as early as I can manage. Um, um, I would get out of bed first thing. And I would uh, read the Bible first. I find that pray at the beginning. God, would this be more than an intellectual exercise? Uh, open my eyes so I might see wonderful things in your law. That's a great prayer from the psalmist. So I kick off with something like that. Read, uh, read the Bible. 
And often after that, I worship maybe a song or two and thank God for things and then pray, give God my requests, confess things as, as I feel with the Holy Spirit prompt me. That would be kind of how I would do it at the moment. Um, I would say one thing though on, on that that I have to throw in is that I, I know that that works at the moment, but at times in my life that has not worked at all. And that would be particularly if work or family has meant I've had to work up super early, wake up super early for just other things. I mean, there's only so early you can wake up. There's all these old books about prayer that say, if you don't wake up at four, you're a bad person. And I want to, they're not, maybe in the 1800s that works, that stuff. It doesn't work now. Okay. You just, you walk around like a zombie for the rest of the day. Uh, I, apparently I've never tried it. Um, but there, when time was like that, my holy place was, I don't know if you, you know where it was. It was my holy place then was my car. That was it, my journey to work. Most of us travel to work about half an hour. So I might do it for different loads of transport. That is golden time for prayer. Um, and that was it. And do you know, if that was the holy place, do you know the holy of holies is? Traffic jams. <laughs> because then you can pray without fear of death, <laughs> um, which is good. So change your perspective on traffic jams. So there we have it, they're praying there. Now what I want to do, we do have enough time, so it's all right. Just give two, two or three minutes on this, with two or three people around you, I just want three things, okay? Uh, what do you find easy about praying? What do you find difficult about praying? What questions do you have about praying? I want to just make this clear. I know there'd be some people in this room who wouldn't be prayers, and some of you uh, wouldn't be Christians at all, but might not even believe prayer is useful. Please, just if you can, you don't have to do it, find a prayer, like a Christian, and just say, just start with your questions. So why do you do this? Why do you do this? And maybe the conversation continue after, because I'm going to give you two and a half minutes, because I've spoken for half a minute. Grab people around you, if you would like to, and what's easy, what's difficult, questions. See you in a second. Yeah, let's draw that together. Has anyone got a question that your group were like, whoa, I don't know about that one, that either I can try to answer in two minutes or fob off completely and say I'll see you at the end about anyone. I'll start over here. Oh, we have a taker, Beth. Nice and loud. <laughs> really good question. Um, you've got five minutes. You wake up. What do you pray for? It just can't. It is a, it's a really good question. It's not, it doesn't make you, again, it's not like, oh, no, I do this. I'm such a bad Christian. I can't think of what to pray for. That's just being a human being. Uh, okay. Tell you what, I think actually that'll fit into the next bit because I'll, I'll be able to answer that. If, if in about five minutes I haven't answered that question, just shout at me, would you, Beth? Is that all right? Because I think I've got something for you there that may or may not fully answer that question. There we go. <laughs> Fobbed that off completely. Didn't I? But no, honestly, <laughs> I, I will come back to that. Um, Right, and I will come back to it by talking about the Bible. Um, can we have the next one of these up? In fact, let's go to, there's another picture with words on and pictures. There we go, nice. Um, in answer, so the answer to the question to make sure I don't forget is I think that the Bible is, the, is, it's very hard to read any part of the Bible without it sparking a conversation with God. That would be my, my take on things. Sometimes the conversation starts with what? Seriously, you let that in your Bible? What is this? But usually it goes on past the what to something else. Thanks, praise, wrestling with prayer. And so I'd encourage, I, I understand within, I think if you're just grabbing time when you can, I'd, I'd say I, I would spend that time worshipping. I, I think it's really important uh, that we don't rush on with lots of stuff. It sounds, it's great just to say, God, I love you. I mean, how many times do we stop to say, stop, pause, phone off in pocket, I know I could look now at the news for the 50th time today and to see if the world's blown up or something. But instead, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for the cross. Do you want to speak to me? What would you like me to do today? 
Holy Spirit convict me in my heart. I, I think that's a five-minute conversation right, right there, just those words. I'd say if, if more than that, if you have more and you're stuck, and I, this is why I read the Bible first, it sparks a conversation with God. But it, it, does, it does more in many ways. So let's look, look at the Bible. Is that right? That wasn't a fob off, was it, Beth? Is that right? Okay, nice. Fair enough. Um, let's start with the one in the blue. Memorization and meditation. Meditation uh, is something we don't often talk about with the Bible because it seems much more like Eastern religion stuff. But all meditation is, is thinking carefully and deeply on something. And in Eastern religions, because of the difference in worldview, that would be looking inwards, generally, and looking in, I'm concentrating on myself and what's inside me. The difference between many Eastern worldviews and Christianity is we don't believe it's in here. We believe God is out there, don't we? He's external to his creation. And therefore, we meditate, we think carefully, we mull over, we squeeze out the truth of things. But it's about God and his word, not about what's inside us. And often that can be done with just um, something, just take one verse maybe, or maybe a short psalm. And just go over and over just those, those phrases. So, for example, Psalm 23, start with, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. God, you're not just a friend. You are my friend, but you're my Lord. So I submit to you today. I bow to you. So there's any areas of my life that I'm not bound to you. The Lord is my. He, he's my shepherd. He's not just everybody's shepherd. He is, but he cares for me. He knows his sheep by name. Jesus said that. Thank you, Jesus, that you look after and care for me. Do you see what I mean? That's how meditating the Bible goes like that. And that's really great. And it's a great way of squeezing the juice out of of the Bible. And memorization is obviously doing that, but memorizing it so you can do it when you're not looking at your Bible, uh, which helps you in the traffic jam as well. Um, so that, that's a really helpful, but I say that as almost an aside, an exception, because the general rule, I think, and rule's a bad word, but I think I'd really, really encourage you in this, and this is generally uh, within the ether of Christianity, is I think it's really helpful to c- read the Bible lots from cover to cover. I, I think if we don't do that, what we end up doing is picking the bits we like and getting a really distorted image of God. Um, and so that can be done very simply, as I said, orange, cover to cover. You start in Genesis, you've got your bookmark or your little strap, this is in the Bible, and you read, read burp, there, next one, next day, and you get to Revelation. Uh, anyone know how many chapters of the Bible you have to read each day to finish the Bible in a year? Pop quiz. Three and a half. I was going for four, but three and a half sounds so precise, it's bound to be correct. Okay, <laughs> so I'm now going to say three and a half. Um, I, I do five because I know I forget. On days, I miss days. So at least that keeps me ahead of the game and means every now and again I don't have to beat myself up too much or accelerate through 15 chapters of Chronicles in one day, which can be quite heavy. <laughs> um, problem with reading from cover to cover is about this time of year, if people were doing it from January to December, people are getting a bit heavy. It's getting a bit heavy. It's getting a bit depressing. Israel messed things up from about April to about August <laughs> consistently. Maybe it's good at teaching you to, you're really wanting Jesus to come. Please, Matthew, anything at this. Um, Seriously, I think it can get a bit heavy. Um, so another thing people do, Bible in the year plans. Anyone, hands up, anyone try to Bible in the year plan? Okay, they used to have them in just books. There's lots of resources for this. If you put in Google, Bible in the year, they split it up so you've got a bit of the Old Testament, a bit of Psalms and Proverbs, a bit of the New Testament. Just gives a bit more, more balance, I suppose, in that sort of way. So you're covering it all in a year, but just in that way. I'll come to something about that. You know, you know what, we'll come to, the, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do this. Um, for my one, one stop the Aldi approach to this, rather than the Saints approach to this, is this. If you're stuck on this and think, I'd love to get into the reading of the Bible, or I'd love to get back into reading the Bible, please don't think anymore, just that. <laughs> that is a brilliant resource. Because the other thing I'd put on the, um, 
on the list was audio Bibles. So you don't have to read it, you can hear it. And I know for many of us that we struggle with reading uh, for many different ways, sometimes because of the places that we're reading the Bible. So at the, in the car, I joked about a minute ago, it's not helpful to have to, the Bible there and your steering wheel. That doesn't work. Um, as a kid, uh, growing up, the, the Bible in the years, uh, the, the Bible audios were, were really, they weren't very good. They were all King James Version. They were in very theatrical, usually quite thick accents that were, weren't familiar to me. Um, now that's not the case. You can get any version in audio Bible. This one here, do you know who reads the Bible to you? Poirot reads the Bible to you. I mean, I reckon there were people praying and fasting across the world for that to happen. That's such a miraculous thing. I love Poirot. David Suchet reads, uh, reads it. You can have it, read it, or you can listen to it. Nicky Gumbel and Pippa Gumbel, who are from Holy Trinity Brompton, give commentary each day on, um, on the passages where so you can help understand it. Who's used this before or uses this now? Um, yeah, I, I'd really rec- I think this is an absolutely fantastic. I, I wonder in years to come that whether Holy Trinity Bronx will be known for this even more than Alpha because this is brilliant. They've really distilled stuff. So I can't go on about that enough. Okay, fantastic. So the, that's the Bible. Um, you know what? I'm going to give it another two minutes, actually. I've got the last one's really short, so I, I will, we won't even leave the kids' work too late. But there's the sausage and sandwiches. There's the Aldi right there. Um, two minutes. What do you find difficult about reading the Bible? What do you find easy about reading the Bible? Um, what questions do you have? Again, if you're not a Bible reader, just start the question. Just pepper them with questions of this. Why would you do that? How does it work? Off you go. Just a couple of minutes and we'll finish. Um, sorry to interrupt again. Hopefully these conversations can go afterwards. There's such wisdom in this room and such experience about reading the Bible and, and praying. It would be, I'd really love to get people to talk more freely about that. One question, if there is one. I'll start this end this time. Andy. Whoa, perhaps you should. Oh, and a round of applause, that's good. Um, I, is that a question or just a statement? <laughs> um, I can't say you shouldn't read about Jesus, should I? Uh, there, would be an, there would be an argument both ways, I, I guess you could say. If, uh, it, it, this is, as a church, we, we, we would do this. We would obviously have, every Sunday, we would have pretty... I'm aware that we have weighty preachers most of the time. Where you, most of the time, whoa, there's lots in there. Okay, I re- recognize we do do that here. Um, we want to we wanna not just get God's word to you. We believe passionately in this and also trying to model something. We want to take this seriously for you. And when we do series, there is a case in which I'd, I'd, if, you, if you would like to, I'd advise you to really get into the passages as, w- as well, those books. So like we do a, a life group sometimes on the, on the book that we study. We've done that a little bit lately. Uh, that could work for you. But obviously, Andy, the opposite. If the, obviously, actually, look, we're in the Old Testament here, so I'm going to read more about Jesus. That's fine. Uh, I will be, and this is, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just saying this is what I do. Um, I read cover to cover, and I'm, I don't think I'm going to switch from that. I just want to make sure that I'm living in Judges, because God gave me Judges. And I want to make sure I'm living in Micah and Leviticus, as well as in Matthew and Ephesians. I want to live in Hebrews, although it's hard. I want to live in Revelation and 1 John, because he gave me the, the whole lot, and Jesus endorses the whole lot. And I think Jesus can be found in all of it. Um, and so I'm, I'm a balance man in that regard. But I can understand if you want to do the balance differently. That's fine. 
oh, come on, guys, flipping out. The kids work. There's questions galore. I'm not going to answer any questions. I'm going to talk about fasting. I, I would love to talk to you two later. Is that okay? So I'm really sorry. Um, oh, I've opened a Pandora's box. Good luck, Rich, next week. Ha, ha, ha. Fasting, really quickly. You probably think, why are you doing really quickly the thing I want to have most questions on? But there's a reason for that. Um, fasting. Most people define fasting uh, negatively. I think it's important to know this is a positive and a negative, in, not negative, bad. Like, there are things you don't do and there are things you do. Fa- what is fasting? Fasting, again, for me, I think this would be the case for saints through the ages, would be setting aside days to seek God more than normal. That would be what it is. It's not just like going on a fast, uh, like a sponsored fast like you do at school. I didn't eat for a day. Woohoo! I feel great. I'm a great person. Um, can we go to the next one? I think the next one, um, great, there it is. So I'd say it's setting aside days to seek God more than normal. That's positive what it is. What is it not? It's not usually not eating food. In the Bible, it can be not drinking as well. Um, and the answer, everyone always says, that, but it doesn't have to be, does it? It could be social media. It could be TV or this. And fair enough. So it no, could be no food or something else, but mainly food. And I'll back this up in this way, um, in that, I think, yeah, giving up other stuff's great in different ways. There's something about not eating that I think is really, really profound. Because what happens is, and here's the most profound thing I'm going to say today, when I don't eat, I get, wait for it, hungry. Okay, I really do. If I'm fasting and I get hungry, what I do, do every time I do it, I say to God, my body needs food, my spirit needs you more. And there's something about acting out actually something that our body physically needs, we withdraw from it for a period of time, that shows, acts out our dependency upon God, that no, we, if we don't have you, we die, which has been kind of the theme running through this, this series. Now, obviously, for some of you, you won't be able to do that because of health reasons. I'm not going against your doctors on this. I'm just saying, if you can, uh, we, you can go without food for quite a long time without doing any damage to your body. I'm, I'm not even talking like more than I would be comfortable fasting with. So, that's, that, is, uh, that would be fasting. And I, I think for me, fasting would be something I would build in. I don't do it like regularly. I will fast at these times. If I feel there's something that I'm desperate for God to move in, I'll say, right, God, this is it. I mean business. I'm, I'm not going to eat. And it frees up some time because breakfast, lunch, and dinner take a while. So you can pray instead of eating. But even more, there's that day, all day long, I'm dependent on you, God. God, you've got to come through on this. Um, for me, it might be something in my family life, it might be something in my friend's life, it might be a prayer I'm praying. Often it's, God, you're becoming a concept to me. And I, where is the interaction here? We're, we're like, this is meant to be a living relationship. I, I don't know what that even means at the moment. I'm not settling for this. God, I'm not eating until this is sorted. Um, which for me is a day. I, honestly, I, I've, I've managed two days once, I think. Some people are a bit older than me seem to be able to not eat ever. I don't know how they do that. But um, I start there. That's where I go. So... Now, you might say, well, that's massive. I've got millions of questions about that. Well, I've put a blog together. It's on the Church Central blog, the what's, the why's, and how's of fasting. And that can, it, it's just start a discussion. This has fallen off the radar a little bit, I think, fasting. I'd love to put it back on because it's something that's blessed the saints uh, throughout the years. So that's pretty much me done. Uh, so to summarize, I just want to ask a couple of questions. Um, in this room, would you like to keep your identity as God's children within Babylon? Yes, we would like to do that, wouldn't we? Would you like uh, to give in to the other voices that seek to shape you in our culture? No, we don't want to do that, do we? Um, Do you want to build the wisdom of God into your life so your conscience can be finely tuned to his will? 
Well, then my advice to you would be <laughs> to follow Daniel's example and order your life to include regular, persevering, faith-filled private times with God. I'm going to pray for you and then we'll go.